Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. The following message is part of our series called Different But Same, where we are looking at our created identity, discovering our purpose and our calling. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, in Jewish teachings, they actually taught, the old rabbis used to teach, that when you said a name a second time, so if you said holy, holy, it was emphatic. When you said it three times, it was declared glory. I want us to sing this out. In Isaiah 6, 1 to 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Such singing it was that it shook the temple to its foundations. And suddenly the whole sanctuary was filled with His smoke. Why don't we declare, holy, holy, holy. Let's shake these foundations by declaring our King. Heavenly Father, we just declare, holy, holy, holy is your name above all the earth, above all the heavens. Lord God, the temple shook when we declared your name. Lord, I pray this morning, in the next 20 to 25 minutes, that you will speak into the lives of those who maybe are struggling to say holy once, but then they won't just say it twice, but they will declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? Thank you. Beautiful worship team, fantastic. While I just get myself ready here. Hey, how good are child dedications? How enjoyable is it? And uh, it is so good to have our extended C3 family here from Oxford Falls, Lisa's family from down here. It's great to have you here. We've been in a series called Different But Same, or as James keeps telling me, same but different, which is the same thing, isn't it? The scripture I want to look at today is from a passage in Luke, and uh, the reason we've been looking at Luke a fair bit during this passage is because Luke wrote at a time when there was some, uh, some differences between the Jewish rabbis and the sort of early converts of Jesus' followers. And if you actually read through Luke's, Luke's sort of readings, you'll note that there is uh, some significant challenges because there are some differences. Today, I'm going to bring the series to a close. We've been in this series for six weeks. I have really enjoyed preaching out of this series. But I've got a message today that I've titled, God Blessed Rest. God blessed rest. In June 2010, at the age of 36, I was admitted to the emergency department of the Hummer General Hospital in Qatar. I'd been suffering significant pain, a little bit of blurred vision, and I had uh, these bouts of uncontrollable tremors. After a barrage of testing, They uh, diagnosed that I did have some kidney stones was an issue. But I got a warning from the emergency department doctor. Now, at the time, I was in charge of the ambulance, so 
Uh, the warning came as a bit more of a personal situation from the doctor that I knew very well. But he said to me this, he said, Sean, your body is burning red hot. And I don't think he was being complimentary towards me. I remember laying there in the hospital bed and being a little relieved when Morella came flying through the doors, obviously uh, panicked and concerned. But she brought an element of comfort to me where I just want to get out of here. I was released after a, uh, a period of time with the orders to uh, go home and rest. You've been in hospital, Sean. Which I did for about 12 hours. Then I started by just making a few phone calls. Opened up my laptop. Just did a few things from home. And within the space of another hour after that, I was in the office. The point is, I didn't have time to get sick, people. I'm important. I was running an ambulance service. There was other people who were sick out there. I didn't have time to get sick. Then in October 2010, quite embarrassingly, to be honest, I collapsed in my office at work. This time it was a fair bit more serious. I was only disturbed by my boss who, who broke into my office because my phone kept ringing and I didn't respond to it. When I went to the uh, hospital this time, I was put straight into the uh, intensive care unit for a period of time. And I could tell from the look on Morella's face when she barged into the door this time that firstly, I was in trouble. And secondly, this was a bit more serious. You need to start listening. The interesting part about this, if I look at that season of my life, I felt that I had all the key areas under control. I was a pretty good husband and father. My personal well-being was good. I was actually super fit at the time. My spiritual life was well under control. We were running a connect group, doing things. I was, uh, we're on church leadership, living life, doing well. I did a number of hobbies. I used to play tennis with mates and hang out and do things. All the areas of my life were under control. My career was booming. If you ask me, my body was in a condition where my spirit was full, my soul was good, and my body was my temple. But what I didn't have an understanding and appreciation for was that God blessed rest. As a result of uh, this season in my life, I committed, on the advice of my wife, to uh, meeting with some mentors that I, uh, I knew were good for me. And over time, they developed tools for me that were based on biblical principles that would ensure that they weren't there to quench my passion for life. I have a raging passion for life. I'm driven. And they didn't want to quench that. But what they wanted to do was to make sure that I understood the commodity of time 
and the cost of constantly taking it to the limit. It was William Penn who once said this, time is what we want most, but what we use worst. Arguably, time is our most sacred or scarce commodity. In fact, the most human basic conundrum is that we have an almost unlimited list of things that we need and want to do, but yet we have a limited amount of time in which to do them. So what we do is we push ourselves, body, mind, and soul to the limits. I've got three points that were principles that my mentors used for me. The first one is this, allow for margin. Allow for margin. There's a brilliant book by a guy called uh, Dr. Richard Swenson. I encourage you to have a look at it. It's simply called Margin. In which it, he says this. He says, margin is the space that once existed between ourselves and our limits. Something held in reserve for contingencies and unanticipated situations. In the passage that I want to look at today in, in Luke, I'm going to read where there was two different women, sisters. They encounter the same situation, yet their response is so different. Verse 38. As Jesus, Luke chapter 10, we're reading from, it'll be up on the screens. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home or their home. Her sister Mary sat, chose to sit at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be done. Two women, same situation, different response. When faced with an unanticipated situation, or what I'm going to refer to today as stuff happens, because who knows in our life that stuff happens, right? One chose to create margin, and the other chose to be distracted by what had to be done. I only spoke on this passage a few weeks ago, and I'm not going to contradict what I said, because I was clear to point out that Martha was not a bad person. The issue was ultimately not about doing. The issue was that she lost her focus on why she was doing it. This is not about being lazy. This is not a passage about not pulling your weight. This is not about Mary sitting there back, arms behind the head, saying, Martha, it's up to you. I did all the chores last week. Jesus totally understood the concepts and demands of a busy life. He got it. In Matthew 6.30, we read this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all they had done and taught. I love that. The disciples are coming back. They're telling Jesus. They would have been super excited. Jesus, you want to see the rally we did in Bathsheba? It was awesome. There were salvations and healings. There was all of these cool things that were happening. Jesus understood this. But he said this. He said, you guys have been busy. 
You guys have been out there doing things. So let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest for just a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I love that passage because you know what passage that precedes? Where the disciples feed 5,000, where they didn't have anything to eat. Jesus says to the disciples, you need to rest a little bit because you haven't even got time to eat. This is about creating space or what I call margin in our life in order that we can cope with the unanticipated or when the stuff happens. Let me explain this. Can you whack that slide up? Thanks, Zach. After my body broke down, I had to create margin in my life. Each and every day, every one of us gets a portion of life. You can call it time, you can call it energy, you can call it what you will, but I will put my everything on it that not one person in here will get more time than anybody else today. How you use it is up to you. But each and every person is given as a gift from God a portion of life. And for me, my mentor is broken into five categories. Career. Fun. Hobbies. Family and friends. Personal well-being, your health. And God. That was my life. Every day. Nothing left apart from a few drops. I was okay with that because I actually pinned it on my chest of a person that worked at 100% every day. My career was booming. I loved my family. I was hanging time as a, as a husband and a, as, a, as a father. My personal well-being was good. I was fit. I was healthy. I was looking after myself. I had time for hobbies. I had time for fun with people, and I, and I gave a lot of time to God. Every single day, what God gave to me, I used every single drop of it. Kind of. But you see, what happens, if you look at the second slide, and in the story we read, there's a thing called stuff happens. And so each day, I used every single thing I had out of my life. So when stuff happens, and stuff happens will be a health breakdown, a relationship breakdown, a financial breakdown, a maybe an extended family issue, maybe a career issue, maybe you've been in the same job 20 years and all of a sudden you've got a redundancy note sitting on your desk. Stuff happens, people. 
For Mary and Martha, Jesus and that were just hanging around. They've gone into the place. They have to create margin. Stuff will happen in your life. And when I went to deal with stuff happens, there was nothing there. So what you've got to do is you've got to start drawing from the other parts of your life. And that's your choice. You see, you can, you can draw from your family for a day or so. You can draw from a week or so. You can even say to your spouse, well, it's okay, I've got a busy season ahead for the next month. You can say to your kids, kids, I'm, I'm really busy dealing with this stuff happens. I'll talk to you in a year's time. Until we get to the point where there's nothing left. What about when the second stuff happens? Isn't that the way? Not only do we have a financial difficulty, but now there's a relationship breakdown. Mum and dad need to get put into a nursing home and, and we're dealing with this situation and these things are tough. So we've got a second stuff happens. And so we go, well, I'll take a little bit from my fun part in life. And I might take a little bit from my career, but no, we don't do that because we need our career. So we take a little bit from other areas of our life, and what we can end up doing is we can take from God. We can say, well, it's okay, God. I'll just take one day from you. One day not doing a Bible reading is okay. You're not going to go to hell. But then one week, I haven't got time this week, God, to deal with you. I'm too busy to pray, to be totally honest. I'm dealing with a project. God, I'll come back to you when I've finished building my house. Is that okay? Do you mind that? God, look, I'm going I'm to not be on the ministry team for a period of time because you've got to see the stuff that's happening in my life. God, I've decided not to come to church for a period of time because, honestly, Sunday mornings is time for me to just catch up on the TV and to binge on Netflix and stuff, and I need that time in my life, right? So I'm going to do this. But then what we end up doing is we turn around after a year's time and say, I'm not connected. We turn around in a year's time and say, God, where are you? And God says, I was here all the time. I never left you. I never forsake you. For me, I took it all from my physical health. I wasn't prepared to give up God or my family, but little did I know I took from my physical well-being. I was fit, I was healthy, but I burnt dry. What I learned is that when your margin decreases, your stress increases. And for me, it was evident physically. My body stressed out. I thank God that he protected my mind, but physically my body stressed out. And what can often happen is when your margin decreases, your stress increases, your body can shut down, and also what can happen is you can start saying some irrational things. Listen to what Martha says. But Martha, verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus, cop this, she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, it doesn't seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I'll do all the work. And then this is gutsy. She gives Jesus an ultimatum. Tell her to come and help me. Boom. Cop that, Jesus. I'm going to put it out there. It's last week of the series. I'm going to put it out there. We don't allow for margin in our lives because we don't fully trust that God will come through with what we want. 
So ultimately, we end up trusting ourselves. I trusted my own body. I trusted that my body would deal with the, the, the rigors that I had for it. I'm going to be a little bit controversial and say this. For some of us, it's not about being driven, it's about being fearful. Fearful that if we take the foot off the accelerator, we will get overtaken. Fearful that if we stop pushing, we'll fall behind. Fearful that if we say no, we will let people down. Fearful that if we fully trust God, we won't get what we want. We think we're going to hit the finish line and then there'll be a release, but that never happens. Why? Because the people we're trying to catch up with don't have a margin in their life either. either. Second point is this, respect rest. Respect rest. By the seventh day, God had finished his work. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day. He made it a holy day because on that day, he rested from his work all the creating God had done. I, I actually love this. Think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day, right? And then they got a holiday day one. How good's that? Adam and Eve were created on day six. On day seven, they rested. Yet we've turned it around. Our workplaces tell us, you can't have holidays until you give me 12 months of your labor, and then I'll give you four weeks holidays. We've switched it around, people. We're not honoring God with the 10% of our, our first 10% of rest. We give him what dregs we have left. And often, for me, there was nothing left. I couldn't push any harder because I had nothing, nothing left. As where God said, on the sixth day I created man and woman, I was really happy with them, and then I gave him a day off. I'm a recovering lifeaholic. It doesn't mean that I don't drive and burn. Just ask my wife. But I've learned to create margin for rest in my life. Scripture reveals that we are relational beings. When God chose his people, he mandated rest. In Exodus 20, he said, Remember to obey the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your work, but the seventh day is a day for rest. It's to be dedicated to the Lord your God. For in the sixth day, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the seas, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Look what the word holy says. He says it's not just a good idea. He says, I declared it as holy. We're not the first people to go through this. We think as a society we're the first ones coming up with all of these things. The Jews forgot to rest. So God took care of that situation. He allowed the Babylonians to, to conquer them for 70 years. The Jews were put into slavery and all of a sudden they said, well, hmm, maybe margin was a good way to live in our lives. Maybe we should have remembered what God had done for us. Third point is this. I'll get the guys up, thanks. Third point is this. Actually, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. The third point 
is that there is only one thing. Luke 10, 41 and 42, just after Martha has given her ultimatum to Jesus, Jesus being the, the fountain of wisdom, Jesus not barking back orders to Martha saying, how dare you give me an ultimatum in my life? Jesus instead just says this to Martha. My dear Martha. I love that. Martha. She's got no margin in her life. She's stressed. She's so stressed that she would tell Jesus, tell that woman to come and help me. There's something going on inside of you when you're going to give an ultimatum to Jesus. Don't raise your hands. But how many of us have given an ultimatum to Jesus? Jesus, if only you would take this away from me, I'd give you more. My dear Martha, my dear Martha, my daughter that I created, my daughter that I said was good, was very good. I get it that you're different to Mary. That's okay. You've got different capacity. You've got different giftings and skilled. Maybe she had the gifting of hospitality. That's awesome. Maybe, maybe Martha's thing was that she was really good at doing the cooking and Mary was rubbish at it. So maybe it was good that, that Mary was sitting at the feet because her food was rubbish. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing that is worth being concerned about. There is only one thing that is worth being concerned about. There's a church in Milan that I had the uh, privilege of viewing. And it has three doorways. As you face it, one to the left, one to the right, and one central. Above each door is three different inscriptions written in Latin. The first one on the left-hand side says this, All that pleases is but for a moment. The second one, which has a cross above it, on the right-hand side that says that this, All that troubles is but for a moment. And then the central doorway, which is a dual doorway, as these words, that only is important, which is eternal. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock of your life. If anyone hears my voice and opens the doors, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Can I tell you this morning that God is knocking at the door of people's lives here. God is knocking on the door of people's lives. But for so long, we've got to the point where we've got nothing left to answer the door. 
and we think we're doing okay. We think we've got everything all right. And God, I will come back to you when I'm I'm okay. Just let me sort out where I need to. God is standing at the door and he's knocking and he says, open the door and let me come in. God desires to enter our home. His son entered the home of two women. One sat at his feet for just that moment and grabbed everything, everything that Jesus could download. The other was so distracted that she missed the point. I want to say this morning the choice lies in the courage to be prepared to sit at his feet and receive we're going to sing this song holy 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 and I'm going to ask if this morning you have felt God knocking at your door and it is time to say, I am going to open the door and receive. I want you just where you are. You may have received before, but you may have walked away from this. And God's saying, there is no other time but right now. If that is you, I want you just where we are as we start singing this, come forward on the altar and say, God, as a sign of me opening the door, I am giving myself over to you. We're going to declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So just as we start singing, if that is you and you want to say, God, I am prepared to give to you. I'm sick of having no margin in my life. I'm sick of leaving you out. I'm sick of giving you ultimatums in my life. I'm prepared to give you the first that I have. I'm prepared to rest into your life. Just as we sing, why don't you come forward? Thanks, Steve. Thank you for listening. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3h.life.